0: Is it time to change your approach and switch to Air Supra, albuterol budesonide? Now you can virtually connect with a doctor to discuss your options and see if it's time to make a change. If appropriate, you may even be able to get a prescription for Air Supra the same day. Talk to a doctor today and see if Air Supra is right for you. you. Visit airsupraconnect.com to connect with a provider. Get Lee Ryan. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Illegal Pete's. We have a new presenting sponsor. Again, this is like the second new sponsor in like two or three weeks or something. Um, I'm excited. I love Illegal Pete's. Uh, If you guys haven't been, you definitely have to check it out. Um, it's like a staple in Colorado, or at least it's a staple in my life in Colorado. It's like a uh, Qdoba or like a Chipotle, like a burrito shop like that, except so much better. And it's a local business and locally owned. And the food is just better. And they have like a bar inside. And uh, the, one of the one of the best parts of our partnership is that if you go in there and you show the uh, bartender your... Uh, ticket for an event you're going to that day, whether you're going before or after, then he'll give you a uh, free draft beer or a free margarita if you purchase a full-sized entree. It's a great deal. Um, It's great food. Their green chili is incredible and... I am really excited for them to be the presenting partner or presenting sponsor of the DNVR Buffs podcast. And I hope that I get some cool things out of it too going forward. Um, Illegal Pete's has nine locations in Colorado. Six of them are in Denver, two are in Boulder, one is in Fort Collins. So make sure that you swing by and pick up some free drinks, a free drink before you do anything or after you do anything. All you got to do is just show them your ticket. Uh, It's awesome. Let's jump into the show. Okay. Um, some things to talk about today. Um, let's just start with this next game that's coming up. Uh, against Washington tomorrow at 7. That's Saturday at 7. Today's Friday. Um, it's going to be something else. I'm really excited. I'm really excited for a couple of reasons. Uh, I really like watching that, or watching that Washington State team play. I think they're a lot of fun. But this Washington team is uh just something else. Uh, I am so excited for them to come to Boulder and for me to get a chance to see what this looks like in person. They're they're special. Uh, they they they've lost more games than you'd expect, and we're gonna dig into all the Pac-12 stuff that's going on later in this show Uh, for now I mostly just want to talk about uh, Washington Um, but Washington is sitting there they're 12 and 8 overall which is pretty disappointing for them and uh, they're what are they Uh, I think they're two and five now yeah I think they're two and five now in the conference play so that puts them last Uh, tied with Oregon State, uh, and they're 2-5 and in the Pac-12 because they just lost to Utah. But they are so, so much better than that record would suggest. Um, I I would much rather play a Washington State team that's in the middle of the pack right now than play this Washington team. I'd rather play Utah, Oregon State, uh, Cal, uh, Arizona State, UCLA. Above that, I, I think that that's probably it. Uh, but but they're scary. They're tough. Um, Tad talked about it a little bit after the last game. And he, he actually said, like, it, it was the second time he was saying, he was answering a question. He just moved on, started talking about Washington and what this Washington team is like and all that kind of stuff. And then he paused and said, uh, I'm sorry, I know you guys want me to talk about this game, but I'm already just thinking about Washington. I'll try to get back on top. And, and and that's where his mind is at. I think that he's probably pretty excited too. Uh, I don't love this matchup for Colorado. um, But there are two big reasons I'm excited to see Washington. First is their defense. This zone defense they run is unlike anything else uh, that you typically will see um, it's 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 weird essentially there's like four guys around the three-point line and then a big man below the basket and it works they're shutting teams down um, it's interesting they're just so long they they look I think Tad said they look like an NBA team and they do like they're they're so lanky at every position, um, and all these guys just hustle. And, and I have another game. I'm I'm rewatching this Utah game now because uh, I still hadn't seen this one. And like, did d- the guy just closed out to the three point line? It looked like he was gonna be an open three, and swatted it, and it turned into a fast break. Like this Washington defense is so aggressive. It's so complicated, and more than it's complicated, it's just something you don't see, and, and that's what makes it a challenge, I think, um, because it's just totally different basketball than what any of these buffs have played against before, and then you throw in that they're doing it at such a high level, that they have so many guys, when you look at every position, you look at the point guard, you're like, wow, long, athletic love it. Uh you look at the the 2, the 3, the 4, it's the same thing and then they have the big center defending the rim. It's it's going to be a real challenge. And we know how Colorado has struggled against the zone this season, and that's what makes this matchup even scarier. Um Colorado it, it, it essentially looks like they play scared when they see a zone. Um they overthink, they it's it, it's it's like they're playing a different game they they're no longer like running around getting open shaking guys they aren't playing a type of basketball that resembles the type that they've played their entire lives all of a sudden everybody stops and waits and doesn't move and they're trying to calculate what you do in what situation like there's a checklist you have to run through and McKinley will look around and be like okay he's here he's here he's here what does that mean? That means I do this. And it just slows everything down. It's not McKinley. I don't want to put it all on McKinley. Uh, obviously, it kind of starts with him, him being the point guard, the leader of that offense. But it's it's everyone. It's everyone everywhere on the court. Um, they just have not been able to handle the zone. Um, when was the last time they saw one? They saw one... I don't think it was the Arizona State game. It might have been. I think it was the Arizona State game. It definitely was. Uh, against Arizona State, uh, the Sun Devils threw a zone at Colorado, and they did handle it a lot better than they did against Oregon State the week before, when that switch to zone late sparked a twenty-four to five run that won the game for the Beavers. Um, so, while I really don't like how Colorado has looked against the zone, to to say that they have just totally flopped every time they've seen it would be wrong. Um, they they have handled it better in some occasions but when you look through the worst stretches they've had this season like n- not stretches as in multiple games but is in five minutes three minutes ten minutes a lot of those really disappointing stretches within a game have come against his own and the worst stretch of the season being that 24-5 run uh, that Oregon State made to win a game by seven or eight um, That that's the worst stretch that they've had this season and that was against a zone. and i think because that was so bad it does make people think that the buffs play against the zone is worse than it is it's bad it's not terrible though um I, I think it's fixable and i think they made steps against arizona state it looked like they sped things up a little bit and this is weird to say this uh the day after mckinley says Things work better for him when he slows down. The problem he has is that he gets too fast. Because that's what he was saying last night after the game when he had three turnovers. Um, when did he? Let's see. So three turnovers in the first eight minutes or so and then no turnovers after that. He said he just slowed down. Um, and there's a difference between slowing down and being passive and overthinking, though. Uh, and, and that's what we've seen. They've, they've looked like they just want to pick the zone apart. And that's a big part of it. You have to be able to pass well. Watching Utah. Utah ends up winning this game. Uh, Utah, I think it was a one-point game. I caught the last couple minutes of it last night. Yeah, 67-66. Utah pulled it out. Again, low-scoring game. A lot of these games are really low-scoring against this Washington defense. They're physical. They play slowly. They force you to play slowly, to work, to get a, a good look. Um, it's going to be a grinded out kind of game. And... That's a lot different than what Washington State does throwing five shooters out there and kind of just going at you straight up, you know, saying, you know, here's here's what we're gonna throw at you. It's it's definitely more that like modern type basketball, and I talked about this a little bit last night, but it is very much like here are five guys, here are your five guys. Let's go. Let's see who has it. Whereas Washington is a system team and specifically on defense, The very system-based. It's about everybody doing their job within that system instead of can you stop you and beat you on the other side, um, which is the type of basketball that most basketball teams play. Um, that's what makes this Washington team so fun. It's it's a system team, and you guys know how much I love stuff like that. The air raid, the triple option, all that kind of stuff where it just This is coach versus coach. This isn't player versus player. Like, you need the players to execute. If they don't execute, then you're done for. But more than anything, it's about the play calling and understanding of those little adjustments. Um, And then the players just don't screw it up. If you can make a plus play somewhere, that's great. If you can make a guy miss on the football field, if you can get a block on a closeout instead of just contesting a shot, that's great. But more than anything, it's just do your job. And that's the type of basketball Washington plays. And it keeps them in a lot of games. Um, I'm really excited about that, in case you couldn't tell. Just looking through these these last few games. So, oh, this Oregon game. I want to talk about that more later, too. So they win 67-64 last night. Uh, yeah, that was last night. And then uh, last weekend, they played the Oregon schools. Lost to Oregon 64-61 in overtime was that double overtime no oregon played double overtime last night um so 64 61 64 56 61 58 61 55 washington beat, did beat usc 72 40 that's the upside here is that some teams might not be able to figure it out 66 64 um, so in all this they still like they have not given up 70 points in pack 12 play I gave up 75 to houston gave up trying to look back. Oh, they gave up 83 to Gonzaga, but you know, actually gave up 80 to Eastern Washington, but put up 90. They want to play these low-scoring games. Uh just physical. Um and to beat that zone to to get back to this, you know, there there is that part where it's picking it apart, where it's passing, and that's what Utah did very well. They they're they found their gaps, they hit them. They didn't, you know, so much of it is working out of the post, which you'd think Colorado would be good at, having Evan Batty. But when the zone moves around and a guy gets a little pocket of space, typically it's one of your big men, you feed them the ball, they draw the double, they dish the ball to whoever's open. Um, hopefully either you get a shot there off of you know the open look where you catch it, or uh, you can drive and all that kind of stuff. And if they overcommit on the closeout, you get the flyby and you go in, then all of a sudden it's five on four there. And it's the same thing. Find the open guy. It's still basketball. It still very much is basketball, but the, the matchups you look for are different. And sometimes the situations where you usually, you know, if, if you get the ball to Evan body or Evan batty, who has a very big body, uh, Evan batty in the post, typically, You want him to work from there and get a shot up. But against that zone, they're going to collapse in and he's likely going to be double teamed. And that's just not what you're used to. That's not what you do instinctively after playing, whatever, 15 years of basketball up to this point. You expect that to to be a situation where you just want to post up. And that's what the zone does. And it, it just makes you look at what you're doing and read and react instead of playing so instinctually, um, because your instincts have been groomed to play man defenses, usually. Uh, and you know, actually, we we talked about that a little bit last night, too, with uh, let's see, I think it was Tad talking about McKinley and saying that McKinley used to just maybe not use his instincts, but predetermine what he's going to do. He comes off the screen, and he knows whether he's going to shoot a floater, whether he's going to put his head down and get to the rim, whether he's going to kick it out. You know, he, He has that in his head, what he thinks is going to happen, and that turns into turnovers because you aren't taking what the defense gives you. You're doing what you expect is going to work before you see what actually will work. I forget what he said. I think he said that Tyler... Was it Tyler or Evan? I should look back at that quote. But he said one of those two guys kind of does that same thing still. While McKinley has kind of grown out of that, that's something he still wants to see improvement in. I think it was Tyler. But I don't know why he would be talking about Tyler after Tyler didn't play. So that throws me off a little bit. Um, maybe it was Evan. But that's, that's the thing. That's the key here is you have to see what's going on and then take advantage of it. Figure out who's open, you know, force a double team, get the ball to the open guy and the double team against the zone. This is the twist because that's how basketball works. Like you're trying to either get to the rim, get an open shot or draw a double team and get it to the open guy against the zone. That same thing is totally true, except that the double team can come from a different direction and the open guy isn't always where you think he is. So there's that fine line you have to draw. You have to see it. You have to read and react, but you can't overthink and play slowly. Otherwise, they have too much time to recover. Uh, It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Um, And this is really the next step. This is like the boss level of zone defenses. Luckily, Washington's offense. um, You know, it's good. It and and I think that it fits the system well, Um, but. That's not the story here. It's definitely not the story here. The story here is this defense, and can Colorado break through it? Or, you know, that USC team that only... Let's see. Do they only have the one loss? No, they have a second loss. Who else do they lose to? I'm forgetting. Or they play... Oh, they they lost to Oregon last night. Duh. Okay. Uh, in double overtime. Yeah, so prior to last night, USC had only lost one game in the Pac-12 and it was a 72 to 40 loss to Washington because they just could not figure out the zone. <sighs> I don't know. It's a challenge and and it it provides room for a fluky result here. Um you know if I've been saying you know a lot. It's like I'm Minnesotan or something. Um but just the fact that they could come out and shut down Colorado like it could just turn out that Colorado's offense isn't there and, and that's what gives Washington a shot against any team really because any team could struggle this isn't NBA caliber defense I, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll say this is an NBA caliber defense Um, and you never know who's going to be able to work and grind and put up the 60 65 points it takes to win the game and who just will be caught off guard by it. Um, Washington's a scary team. Uh, you almost wish that this was their road trip, that they only get one. So so they only play these Washington teams in Colorado. They don't go to Washington. And also Colorado goes to Arizona, but doesn't play the Arizona teams at home. Kind of would have liked to have seen those flipped. You know, it makes that Washington State game that's... You know, nothing's a lock in college basketball, but in terms of Pac-12 games, that's one of the ones you're most confident in in this entire schedule. It does add some variability there. Um, Colorado still should beat Washington tomorrow, but this is one of those games where you could see how they could come into Boulder and not let Colorado do what it wants to do, which is scary. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun, though, and that's what's really important. Uh, I think those are most of my thoughts on this defense um again Utah beat them last night because of their passing watching him pick this apart they made the smart play they didn't didn't give up good shooting looks but they also didn't take shots that weren't good you know and, and that's that feel for the game that just kind of changes against his own defense because when you are where you are, when you catch the ball, wherever you catch the ball, you have an idea of what's going to happen. There's going to be a closeout. There's a guy that, you know, and, and that feel for the game just kind of shifts a little bit. And things come from a slightly different angle. And guys are just in a little bit different position than you expect. And it changes things. And so to make good decisions, not just with your passes, is, you know, you also have to make good decisions reading whether you have time to shoot reading whether you need to pass and it's, it's a challenge. Um, so yeah, passing is a big part of it, but you don't want to see Colorado get too passive tomorrow. You want to see McKinley, Wright Put his head down, pick the gaps in the zone, try to get to the rim, force both those defenders that are, you know, on the edges of that gap to commit to him, move the ball to whoever's open. Um, and that's how you initiate an offense here. Um, Virtually every possession should start with McKinley Wright putting his head down. Um, before we move on to talk about Isaiah Stewart, who is the second reason that I am really excited for this Washington game tomorrow. Um, he's, he's special. Uh, I want to tell you about our good friends at uh, Breckenridge Brewery. Of course, that's always what goes right here. Um, Breckenridge is just an incredible partner of ours here at DNVR. I can't say enough good things about them. They actually have a really cool announcement coming next week that I'm really excited about, but I'm not allowed to tell you essentially anything about what it is. I can only say that it's going to be incredible, um, and you should stay tuned. I wish I got to choose how I teased it because I could, yeah. Um, um, But also, every beer they have is very good. You should be drinking a lot of them. If you've come to our watch parties, you know how great they are. If you've been to our tailgates, I guess Buffs tailgates, we didn't have as many this year. I bet next year we will. But uh, the Broncos tailgates drink a lot of Breckenridge beers. Um, Strawberry Sky, the Oatmeal Stout, Vanilla Porter, Avalanche, Just so many great options. You should also be keeping an eye on the Breckenridge event calendar on thednvr.com. It has all of the events that we have planned. We'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them, of course. Um, Typically, you get one free for showing up. Um, So you should uh, show up and have a good time. And and, and RSVP, too. Uh, Breckenridge is awesome. Something cool, I think, early next week from them. Um also I would like to tell you about the green solution. Oh wait. No, Total Beverage. I was reading the wrong thing. Um Total Beverage, which we haven't actually talked about in a while it feels like. Um we've talked a lot about Davidson's, but Total Bev is really the Davidson's of the north. It's an incredible place to buy any sort of alcohol Product or, like, alcohol-related product as well. Um, You you could get whatever you want there, essentially. It's a massive warehouse. If you go there, you just won't be disappointed by anything. Like, if you have something in mind, they're going to have it. Um, They have CBD now as well. They have drinks, gummies. If you use the code uh, DNVR2019 then you can get $25 off your... Or no, $30 off your purchase of $25 or more. It's been a couple of days since I've talked about this. Um, They also deliver to anywhere in the Denver metro area, Lakewood, Boulder, Aurora, Brighton, everywhere. Uh, Low prices already. You get the discount. 30% off your purchase of $25 or more. Um, Just use the code DNVR2019. They have locations in Westminster and Thornton. So if that's easier than having them deliver, I don't know why that would be if driving would be easier than not driving, but you could, uh, you could do that as well. Definitely check them out. They're incredible. Get their app. Okay. Um, back into basketball, (sighs) Isaiah Stewart. What do you even say about him? Um, the man is a monster. That's where we're gonna start. Uh he, he's a big man. I think he was the second ranked center in this class. He's a freshman. He's gonna be a one and done. He uh he's he's a monster. He's gonna be tough to stop. Uh I uh I mean I'm concerned, but anybody is going to be concerned when you play him. That's it's like going to play I don't even know. Um, let's let's say you're going to play the heat and you're concerned about Jimmy Butler. Of course you're concerned about Jimmy Butler. He's the guy that you're concerned about with that team. Um, he's a center. He's actually only six foot nine and 250 pounds. He plays a lot bigger than that though. you know when I first heard center one and done six foot nine, I was like, huh? really? but no he really does play bigger and uh 6 foot 9 is more than big enough to play in the Pac-12 play center in the Pac-12 um he's putting up 18 points 9 rebounds per game shooting almost 60% from the field he's just special he's just special uh against Oregon that game that Washington almost won um, took it to double overtime uh He uh, shot 80% from the field, shot 100% from three. It was 12 of 15 from the free throw line. And he put up 25 points, 19 rebounds, two assists, five blocks, two steals with one foul and one turnover. 43 minutes. Oh, he's just a handful. He is just, I mean, he's essentially unstoppable. It'll be interesting to see what Evan Batty can do just because Evan Batty really is a unique player. He isn't I and mean, he isn't your prototypical five. You know, typically you, you see those guys a little bit longer and not just you know 265 pounds of Evan Batty. He he could give uh, Isaiah Stewart some some real competition down on the block because you know Isaiah pushes guys around he's when when he wants to do something he does it he's just that kind of player um it'll be interesting actually you know Isaiah Stewart and Tyler Bay could be in like a bit of a battle for draft positioning um both of them are kind of those mid-first round. I mean, it's kind of tough to tell at this point really where everybody's going to go, but, but they're in that conversation for like mid-first round uh, forwards. Um, different style player, obviously, but that's going to be an interesting matchup as well and see if maybe they throw Tyler at him, just that athleticism. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm excited. I know that. Uh, Isaiah Stewart, something special could be a guy who sticks around the NBA for a long time. He's going to be a one and done player. Uh, it's kind of like going to see Nico Mannion last week. So this is going to be cool. I'm really excited. Um, is there anything else I really want to say about Washington? I'm not sure that there is. Um, essentially that zone defense is going to be what decides whether Colorado wins this game or not, whether they can, uh, beat that get good looks, knock down some shots when they get them. And then on the other side of the ball, what can Isaiah Stewart do? Is he just dominant? Is he stoppable? It's, it's go It's going to be tough. You know, it's, it's so matchup based, um, in the post. I feel like in the post more than other places on the court, when you're looking at, you know, big men, they're the guys who you never really know who's going to win, which battle. Um, I mean, you kind of do, but when you have like guard on guard, you're like, okay, here's what we expect to happen. And that happens more often than not. When you have big on big, you just don't know what a guy's weakness is going to be is a center's weakness going up against long athletic shot blockers or is it against guys who aren't going to let him get to the rim? Do the quick hands matter? Do the senses matter? You know, watching Nikola Jokic, for example, with the Nuggets, there are guys who are really good centers who he just has his way with whenever he wants, every single time they play. And there are other guys like, you know, Boban Marjanovic who Jokic just can't beat. And you'll see him toast Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid over and over and over, but then he goes and plays Boban, and Boban wins that matchup. You're just like, why is that? And it's just because of the way these bigs fit against each other. Uh, Isaiah Stewart against Evan Batty, who knows? Who knows what that's going to look like? I I have some faith in Evan. I do think that he's just such a good defender um, that a raw freshman... Um, which, which Isaiah Stewart still is raw. Obviously a very good player. Um, but compared to what he's going to be two years from now when he spends even more time just cleaning up his game, just refining his game, being a full-time basketball player, he's going to get a lot better. And his touch is going to get better. His IQ is going to get better. All that kind of stuff. For now, he's still dominant. But, you know, it, it, some of the more finesse parts of the game so the more tactical parts of the games um, still good but not great at I think Evan might be able to take advantage of some of that um, just a guess um, a theory more than anything that that's how I could go could also see that he just is able to shoot over Evan and that uh, that dooms him so those are some thoughts there I let's let's talk more about the Buffs game last night. I have a couple more thoughts. Um, last night was weird. Today was weird too. Uh, I got back, recorded that podcast. I think I got done with the podcast at like 1:30, and then like got that all posted and all that kind of stuff, and got to bed really late. Then I woke up this morning at like 6:30 or seven, just bright and going. And, like, went to the grocery store nice and early. There was no rush. Uh, got back here, thought the day was going great. And then just crashed, probably because I ate four donuts, three donuts, something like that. I never buy myself donuts because this is what happens. And the box is still right there with the last couple. But um, then I just, like, crashed for four hours, which makes a lot of sense. Um, woke up, couldn't put my AirPods in the right way, which was a strange experience cuz like I grabbed them out of the case I grabbed one looked at it I was like I don't know which way this goes and I've been wearing them like I've had these since AirPods were released like I got them immediately and for some reason I was just in such a weird spot that I like looked at it I was like does that have to go forward or backward and I put it in both ways and I couldn't figure it out like it should feel really weird and now I just lost all confidence that I'm wearing them the right way. And I kind of want to Google, like, look at a picture of somebody wearing AirPods the right way. But that feels like cheating. Like, this is the kind of thing I have to overcome myself. I, I've i never been through something like this. I don't know what happened. Like, I woke up a little confused from that nap. But I was just getting ready to go out. I think I had to move my car. I parked in, like, a two-hour parking spot. I was going to put those in. It was weird, and I like, looked at it and couldn't figure it out, and I guessed, and I was like, that doesn't feel right, so I turned it around, or no, like I took that same one and put it in the other ear to see if that's where it went, and it still didn't feel right, and I was like, oh boy, and then I got super self-conscious. I'm like walking out of the apartment building, and people are looking at me and like be- because that's what people do, but when you're wondering if you're wearing things backward, like it feels like you're wearing your shirt backward or your pants backward. Like, Are all these people looking at me like I'm an idiot because of that? Because there's a very clear way that the AirPods go. And it's always been so obvious to me. But for some reason, my brain was in just such a strange place after waking up from that long nap that I did not understand. Oh, look at Utah. Just pick apart that defense. Um, I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's going to keep throwing me off for a while. Um... But yeah, before we dig in a little bit more into that game last night that threw me into that strange sleep thing, um, and then a weird story about it, I want to tell you about Mile High Green Cross. So, what you need to know is that they will offer you an experience that you won't forget. Mile High Green Cross has award-winning products. If you head over to their store and you sign up for their loyalty program you'll get 20% off your entire purchase once per month. That's a lot. Um, and they're hooking up the DMVR fam with that deal. So just tell them that you're f- like you are like, you heard from me that you uh, should do this. And then they'll give you 20% off once a month. Uh, it's in a great spot. It's on 9th and Broadway, which is like a, seriously a block and a half away. It was actually right next to where I parked my car this morning. Uh, or not this morning. It turned into the afternoon. It felt like morning cause I had just woken up. So I, I didn't walk past it. I walked right up next to it though. Um, but yeah, it's right here. Uh, they, they have people who will help you out every single time. Uh, it only takes on average nine minutes from the time you walk in the door to the time you walk out. And if you've been in a dispensary before, it can take a while, um, so that's just so great to be able to do it so quickly and to have help. So you're still making good decisions; you're just making them a lot faster. Um, they have everyday low prices on in-house products. They have $99 prepack ounces V3 hash oil, bulk deals like five cartridges for $100. That's it's all like without the door pricing, which is great because you know, for me, I'm from Montana where there's no sales tax, which I and mean, here's the economics degree coming out, which is stupid for Montana to do. They handle that really poorly. Um, but that meant that everywhere you go, the price that you see is the price that you pay. Tax just isn't a thing. And then here you have to do like that math where it's like, oh, this computer. oh, That was like a huge purchase, obviously. And you're like, what's the tax on this? Is this like 8%? Is it 10%? Should I be like saving money by going somewhere else? Like all that kind of stuff. I really hate it, and the worst thing is, I, I've gotten used to it now, so this doesn't happen all that often. But like, if it's just late, and like I'm driving back from Boulder, I'm like, okay, I, I need some food on my way back. Uh, I got, I have like a dollar. Let's run in, and find something for a dollar. It's a dollar, and then you, there, they're like, oh, it's a dollar oh eight, and you're like, what? It says a dollar. Who would put a price on something? It's a dollar I'm Like, oh yeah, it's right. Your tax, which is again, makes a whole bunch. Of sense policy wise but for me personally it's frustrating so the fact that mile high green cross just includes the the tax in their prices love that love that so much um just makes things so convenient um especially at a place where they only take cash and actually they don't most dispensaries only take cash but mile high green cross you can use hyper um which is like a venmo type thing but when you're paying with cash and they say it's $20 and you walk in there and they're like, oh, actually it's $20 or $21 and 60 something cents, I don't know how much the tax is. That would have been like an 8% tax. It seems like a lot of things are like 8% around here. I would guess that dispensaries are taxed at a higher rate. Um, we don't need to dig too deep into this. But uh, then all of a sudden you're not just giving them a $20 bill you're finding like two more ones and then getting two dimes back or maybe they don't even have two dimes and think about it and you wind up with three or four coins instead, which is so frustrating. Um, just give them the one bill. Uh, so mile high green cross, obviously I get stressed out about a bunch of the things that they allow you to not get stressed out about because they solve it all for you. Use them. They're the best. They're right. They're, they're my neighbors um, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, glad I got all of that off my chest and we can move along to oh actually I think we got a question on the last podcast, but it was a question yesterday. So yesterday I did like the first two segments before the basketball game so that I wouldn't be up until like three in the morning. I could only be up until like 2:20 in the morning. Um, and then recorded the last segment after the game, but, uh, somebody left a comment. I think B Mixer left a comment during the time between me recording the second and third segments. And so I didn't get to it, but, uh, let's get to that now because he deserves our attention. So B Mixer says, interesting take on George, uh, as in athletic director, Rick George, Do you think Larry Scott nominated George because Oregon, Washington and Utah all have better chances to get into the college football playoff and having an AD not from those schools will help push the PAC 12 in those discussions. I I think it's possible. Um, you know, the weird thing here is that when, when, uh, well, it's very political. So let's make this like a political metaphor without picking sides. Um, you know there's there whenever anybody makes a decision any politician makes a decision a strategic decision whether it's we're going to throw this ad here we're going to spend all of our money here we're going to pick this person we're endorsing this person all these little things um if if it's big time politics if it's like presidential candidates for example you're going to get 20 different stories about that decision by different analysts who have different takes and all of those different takes are going to um say something different and some of them might be the same and as somebody who's interested in that kind of stuff you can read through all of them and be like okay I think this is a good point I think this is a good point I think that this thinking makes the most sense strategically I think that's right when it comes to Pac-12 politics picking an AD to be on the college football playoff selection committee there isn't as much analysis of the decisions Um, or at least I haven't seen nearly that much so this is all what it looks like to me and and to me it does look like yeah it it would make sense to pick colorado and there there are a bunch of different reasons that you would pick rick george beginning with he is incredibly qualified and he would represent the pac-12 incredibly well as he always has when he has been chosen to be on these committees i think that he I uh, I shouldn't just throw these things out without researching, but he's he's one of the best athletic directors in the Pac-12, and I don't think that's disputable. Is he the best? The second best? The third best? Again, I I haven't dug through all the stats of who does what. You know, Stanford and all of them they they win all these different national championships. Colorado has the ski team that's great. They've, the cross country national championships. They have the lacrosse program. So, so each school has these different things. Um, it depends on what exactly you're looking for. Is it who wins the most titles? Is it the average winning percentage across all your teams? Is it average winning percentage weighted by which teams are most important to the, the finances for the athletic department? You know, is, is football success more valuable? Um, Oregon's AD would have to be right up there. Who's who's actually? uh, He was the guy who Rick George replaced. Now that I think of it, so it would make sense that Oregon's AD would have been uh, on the College Football Playoff Selection Committee because he does deserve to because he was so successful in building that Oregon program. Now you can throw whatever caveats, but he has all that Nike money, but you know all that kind of stuff, and that's whatever. Um, We don't need to make definitive Pac-12 athletic director power rankings. Just wait until this offseason though, because I bet I will. I bet, you know, in those three months between uh, the end of basketball season and fall football camp when I'm struggling for content, I bet we do at some point rank the athletic directors in the Pac-12. Um, again, though, uh, naturally, when you say, wow, I bet that guy's the best, and then you realize he was the last one who was on the committee for the Pac-12, it does make sense that you would just take whoever... The best athletic director, director, whoever is the most deserving, um, make make these Pac-12 athletic director jobs even more enticing. You know, they ju- they just bring in the former CU guy at USC. Maybe you hire somebody uh, even better if you prove even more that uh, that the Pac-12 is a meritocracy in terms of who is chosen to serve on these committees, who is rewarded. Um, and, and by proving that a good job will be rewarded, you, you bring in better talent because that's a system that you like rather than going to some scandalous, corrupt conference where that isn't the case. And I don't know what those reputations are among athletic department officials. I, I couldn't tell you whether... You know, somebody who's looking for a career path would say, "Yeah, you want to be a part of the SEC. Don't mess with the ACC." That could be the case. It could not be, or maybe they don't even look into it all that much. But that would kind of surprise me. Um, so there's definitely a bunch of reasons to just reward the guy who deserves to be the most rewarded, um, and and that would also line up with what happened. Given that, you know, you followed my thought process through that. Rick George is one of the best. Who is the best? The guy who was there before him. Um, Mullen. Mullen What's his name? I should know his name. Um, just not jumping out to me right now. Um, so yeah, there, there's that part of it too. And if if there was a huge national interest in these types of decisions, you'd get a whole bunch of analysis. And I'd like to think that my analysis would be the best one, or at least one of the best. But it could be that I would read some other take from somebody who has been there, I don't know, and be like, oh yeah, you're connecting the dots in a way that I like better. But for me, I do really think that because Oregon, Washington, Utah have the best chances to get into the college football playoff, that it would make sense to have somebody pushing them um, if you have the option to give somebody who can push them. The fact that, and if you guys didn't listen to that podcast that um, B Mixer's referencing I got into a lot of details about how the selection process works, Um, got a little intense there for a minute, but essentially if, so there are 13 people on the college football playoff selection committee, Um, they're from all different walks of life, um, and they're just tasked with ranking the top 25 teams six times beginning the first week of November. And then the last rankings are what they use to pick the bowl games and pick the college football playoff um, semifinalists. So um, it's an important job. And five of the 13 are athletic directors. There's one athletic director from each power five conference, Um, five power five conferences. So the five spots, the five of the 13 Um, and, and now it's Rick George. And while it seems like on the top, that would mean that Colorado could get a bump, by having somebody in those conversations every week, uh, it's actually, they, they they account for that. He's not allowed to vote in those discussions. Um, essentially, there's, there's no way that he could help Colorado. And in fact, he really couldn't. Um, it, it's likely that in terms of the rankings, it could hurt Colorado. Um, that there is no Pac-12 voice supporting it now. Um, and it, and if it had been Utah's athletic director, then Utah would likely be hurt. And Utah, I don't think, is going to be competing for the college football playoff again next year, but they did this year, and I didn't really expect that either. So you never know. Bringing back a senior quarterback next year always helps. Um, we don't need to dig into that theory too much right now. I bet there are some takes. But uh, yeah, I, the... It it does probably make it difficult for Colorado to be in the college football playoff. Um, not, I mean, v- just marginally, just barely. Um, but you don't have a voice arguing for that team. Um, but Rick George will be arguing for Oregon, for Washington, for Utah, because he's the Pac-12's representative, um, and the rest of the conference too. Again. Not only is this great for Rick George and great for the Pac-12, honestly, to to make this pick for the reasons we just discussed, but also because Rick George will represent the conference well, again, because that's what he does. Um, it's also good for the University of Colorado, and who knows? Maybe once in the three years, Colorado ends up being ranked 16th instead of 15th because of that push. Maybe it never affects anything. There's no way to actually measure any of that, but... Having an athletic director with that reputation, it helps. Um, Do you think Mel Tucker comes to Colorado if Rick George isn't here? Nope. Uh, What if Rick George isn't known for what he's known for? Probably not. And so, you know, we're not really looking to replace Mel Tucker by any means, but, you know, maybe an assistant coach is coming through and says, ah, I, I think this is the spot, has a meeting with Rick George, sees the support that Rick George is throwing out there, sees the accolades, sees where this where his vision for this athletic department is and how it can grow behind him, and says, you know what, this is the spot. This is the next step for me in my career. Or, uh, you know, a, a coach of a different team, Um Let's go with uh, the cross-country team because they are so good that there's no way that they're going to replace their coach. Um, I guess he is kind of aging. I don't know how old he is. I could not guess. I can't remember his name either. Mark, uh, I should know it. I really like him. I talked to him a couple times. But um, let's just say he decides he's ready to retire. All of a sudden, you need another cross-country coach. And... Rick George is going to sell that better than other people, in part because of his resume and the things that are on his resume. Um, it's good for Colorado. It's very good for Colorado. In theory, it could hurt in terms of their actual ranking, but marginally at worst. Uh, I don't know. I, I think does that. If you could give Larry Scott and, or give Larry Scott Truth Serum and ask him a bunch of questions. And this would be one of the questions I would ask about, um, or questions I would have. I wouldn't ask about a question. I would ask a question. Um, you know, I, I, would say just walk me through how you picked Rick George, because I bet there's a lot there and I bet some of it's what we talked about. And I bet some of it is stuff that I haven't thought of. And maybe none of you have thought of either, but, but the way you approach that job is so interesting to me. Um, that to just hear him talk honestly, walk you through his decision-making process, walk him through his, you know, his thoughts on the NIL. How, how do you take advantage of that? How do you do this? Because he essentially is a politician. You're never going to get those full, straight answers. And that's his job. For as much as we hate Larry Scott, just like Roger Goodell, a lot of what he's getting paid to do is get yelled at. To, to be the fall guy for everything that goes wrong. And then after five years or six years or 10 years or whatever amount of time, things get so ugly that the athletic directors and the presidents and whatever say, you know what, it's time to cut him out. And it's a big symbolic thing. And the, all of us are going to be, I don't know if I will, but a lot of Buffs fans and Pac-12 fans are going to be all over Twitter cheering and saying, oh, thank goodness, Larry Scott's gone. It's time to turn the page. And that's the point of the change. Then they'll vote in somebody new who's going to have some power. You know, Larry Scott had the power to make this decision. He isn't just a figurehead, but a lot of what he does is just do what the athletic directors for the Pac-12 schools tell him to do. Um, Could he have done that better? Sure. Sure. I mean, look at where the Pac-12 is right now. That's not where the Pac-12 should be. Um, and and ultimately, the buck does stop with him. But how much of it is one man's fault and how much is it everybody, you know, those are the questions. But that's how that job typically works. And it's the same thing for commissioners for most leagues. It's be the fall guy when we need you to be the fall guy. Do some of these things that are important. Be the unbiased voice that makes the decisions like who who does represent us or what do we do when a school breaks these rules. Kind of be the leader on those things. And those are important things to do. Negotiate a uh, TV deal. That's an important part. Um, but it isn't just him that does that. Um, a lot of it is things aren't going well. He's the guy you yell at. He's the guy who you... You know, get everything out, vent, and when it builds up to the point where the athletic directors say, "Hey, we need a win here, let's get him out. There you go. Uh, those are my takes on that situation, and we spent even more time on this and i I do think that all of this is really interesting stuff um, there's there's a lot that goes on in college sports and We get to see a lot of it, and there are other parts that we never even get pieces of. And the thought process behind a decision like this, you just don't don't know. Um, Would love to hear, though. Would love to hear that whole thought process. Um, In the end, the most important thing, Rick George is there. It's a great look for Rick George. That's great for his career. Whether he wants to finish it out in Colorado, and this is going to help him bring in better assistance better executives um it it gives him more clout with the regents when he needs to have clout with regents um whether it means mel tucker sticks around just a little bit longer and when he's on that second contract after he's already won a couple national championships here he uh he comes back for a couple dollars cheaper because he knows he can trust Rick George more than he can trust other athletic directors. You know, there there are all these perks. Stability is important, and there's all that kind of stuff. It could be that Rick wants to go on to be a Pac-12 commissioner. This will help him do that as well. I'm not a mind reader, and honestly, even if I was, I haven't spent nearly enough time close to Rick George to actually read his mind, but I'm a speculator, that's for sure. Um... And I, I don't know. It's it's good. And it's good for Colorado, too. And, you know, Colorado has a bit of a reputation, particularly because the football program hasn't been strong for the last 15 years. You know, they've, they've had some ups in there for sure. But more often than not, it's been losing seasons, and some of them pretty rough losing seasons. And that makes this job not look like an Oregon job, a USC job. Um, but... When Rick George leaves, and that's going to happen, he isn't going to be here forever, whether he retires here, whether he retires somewhere else, who knows. But when he does leave, being able to tell the applicants for the next job, hey, look what Rick did. Look at everything he's done for this athletics department. And he was rewarded with it. And he moved on to be a Pac-12 commissioner. Or he moved on to be the AD at USC. There were those rumors for a minute there, too. Uh, One of the big schools, one of the schools that are big brand names with big donors and all that kind of stuff. That helps. You want to prove that you're a launching pad. I mean, that's why I'm in Denver. To be 100% frank, you look at the sports reporters who've come through here and there are a lot of big-name guys. Adam Schefter was a Denver guy. Ian Rappaport was a Denver guy. Woody Page stuck around, but he's made that career with ESPN coming through Denver. The list goes on and on and on and on and on because Denver has that reputation as a sports market because of the sports fans, because of all these different factors of being a place where you can launch a career in this in this world if if you're talented enough to land a job to start and then talented enough to keep building off of it. That's why I'm here. And Colorado, the university, not the state, can do the same thing by saying, hey, this was a launching pad for Rick George. And then when the next guy uses the launching pad and the next guy uses the launching pad, then all of a sudden, every young executive who wants to get into whatever he wants to get into will want to do that by coming through Boulder. So Rick George landing on the college football playoff committee, incredible for Colorado. And I am so excited. Um, I want to talk to him about it. I would guess that he wants to talk about it, too. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's massive. It's massive. And it was massive when he was on the name, image, likeness, likeness committee and all these other committees, all these other boards, all these other whatevers. It's good for Colorado. It's good for Rick George. It's good for all of us because we're really tied to the success of Colorado. You know, since we were talking about, you know, my path, it is really weird that the more success Colorado has, the more exposure I have, and the more likely it is that I will land a big-time national job making a whole bunch of money. Um, And for you guys, obviously, as Buffs fans, your emotional stability is tied to the success of these athletics programs. Um, And so we are very all connected to uh, everything that happens to this University of Colorado Athletics Department. And... There's no reason to be upset about anything that happened. And we should all be thrilled that Rick George got what he deserved. Want to move on? You know what? This was a long show, wasn't it? Oh, no, it wasn't that long. It was a very average length length show. Um, My mouth is really dry. I couldn't get the L sound and then the NGTH sound and then the D sound right after. (sighs) I'm going to drink a bunch of water. I'm going to throw those donuts away because they've been staring at me all day. I'm going to eat a sausage, which isn't great for me, but compared to the donuts is 100% a step in the right direction. And then I'm going to, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do tonight. It's Friday night. There's no buffs. So it's going to be kind of dry probably. Um, All right. Uh, I will be back to talk to you guys on Monday. Let's see what Colorado does tomorrow. I'm so, 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 so excited for that game. And I hope you guys are too. And hopefully I see you guys all out there. Uh, I would also like to get a haircut before that one. Seems unrealistic at this point, just knowing myself. We've got we to gotta get this done soon, though. we got to. Um, I'll see you then. Okay, uh, I lied. Jumping back in now for just a second. 12 minutes ago, Ashad Clayton tweeted out a picture of himself in the uh, Florida Gators uniform. Looks really good on him, if I'm being totally frank. Um, Would not say that anywhere where he will hear it. Um, Black and gold looks better. Black and gold looks better on everyone. Um, Just thought you all should know. Brendan Rice has already chimed in and say, nah, this ain't it, G. Also, just like a note here, um, because... I think we should all kind of know this. Part of the reason I woke up so early this morning is I woke up and saw the notifications from Ashad, and apparently uh, his brother's wife was killed, uh, was shot to death last night in New Orleans. So, thinking about him, uh, really feel for him. That's got to be so tough. Uh, don't really have much more to add about it, but thought that you all should know. So that's a bright note to end on and uh, leave your comments, all that kind of stuff. And I'll see you on Monday or at the game tomorrow. I think they like my Colorado
1: swag. Cause when i minute play I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when i minute go, you know, I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado swag. We'll i Pushing 180, speed and pad competence and see you later, baby. baby. Colorado on with soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boat is where we stationed, patiently awaiting. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Cause you know we finna hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, Why you watching the official. Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next so, and we ain't playin' with you, you can get it any time. Yeah. It start at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag, in the middle of the ring. ring. Throwing <laughs> blows, knocking down team at the I team. they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in it play. I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a with my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway, my Colorado Sway. My Colorado sway. Might I swear, I think they like my Colorado Sway. Big 12, here we come We ain't worried about arrival If you wanna come and get it, we'll wait for your arrival When you hit this frozen field, man, it's all about survival Boy, you make it, boy, you make it Yeah, you better bring your Bible back, blind side, blindside, line no revival Kill them bucks, get them bucks Mess them up, we say we got them You know I'm acting bad. Holly get a bus with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. My Colorado sway. Man, I swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. I think they like my Colorado sway. Cause when I'm in it play, I, really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm acting bad. With my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado sway.